This is David Grossman, and this is the Motion Martial Arts Podcast. Today, Dan and I talk with longtime friend and training partner, Rene Galante. We discuss the importance of mentorship and some of the downfalls of it. Hello, my name is Daniel Marino, and this is Motion Martial Arts Podcast. I'm here with my friend David Grossman, and we're here with a friend training partner of his, Rennie. Rennie Galanti. Rennie Galanti. So today we're here to talk about mentorship, and specifically how you know mentorship plays a role in martial arts schools. So if you want to give your training history. Yeah, um, my name's Rennie Galanti. I've been training martial arts like ever since I was a kid, even probably before I got formal training. I uh, probably did about seven, eight years of Taekwondo. Um, we got our little martial artist here with us, and um, I taken judo for about a year, Aikido, uh, maybe about six months, um, and the latest is probably about the last seven, eight years. I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Well, it's got to be more than eight years because I've been doing eight years. I had a break between there, like somehow, like I don't even really know the time frames anymore. Because my first school shut down, and then I did judo for a while, and then I picked up with Alberto, and then, you know, now I'm just kind of, like, I'm kind of like Kane a little bit, just going from <laughs> here to here and floating all over the place. So, um, that's pretty much my background. Just, it's just more fun for me. I just love it. Yeah, so, uh, this is David, and, uh, yeah, well, I, I think that the common thing that, when I think people think of mentorship in martial arts is people are thinking mostly about the relationship between an instructor and probably somebody who wants to be an instructor. And I think that topic has probably been covered enough. I think it's more interesting to sort of talk about the responsibilities of the senior students, no matter what your martial art is, to sort of help out the new students. And like, I mean, in jiu-jitsu, more so than I feel like some of the other stuff, maybe boxing and wrestling has sort of a similar thing. Because there's such a sport of end to it, okay. there's almost like guys don't want to give back, right? <laughs> yeah. Because there, there's like such a, it's, it's me, I'm the one who's out there by myself, and there's other guys that don't take that approach. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that happens a lot more probably in jiu-jitsu maybe than it does in, in, you know, maybe some of the more traditional martial arts. Same thing with, and again, we've talked about this in the past. Boxing and wrestling should be considered martial arts. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like because there's such a competitive drive in those sports, there's such an individual thing. Like even though people are part of a team, yeah. It's Daddy, like, see you on the car. <laughs> we have a guest appearance from Vic- Victoria too. <laughs> She's gonna be the next the next world jiu-jitsu champion, I believe. She already taps me out. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. There's like, from my experiences from more of a stand-up style, like a Taekwondo to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I did feel like, you know, sometimes people got more selfish in Jiu-Jitsu because they were like, all right, I don't want this guy to tap me out kind of thing. Yeah. So it did it did become that. And yeah, I, I believe the role between like, you know, obviously the, the head instructor owner of the school should take the leadership role and be passing all this information down. And in turn, if they're sharing and sharing and sharing, I think it's going to help the whole school in general. But like you said, it can get selfish because you're like, people's going to pass me. They're going to get better than me. Um, But I always looked at like, from my perspective was like, I always felt like anytime I gave, 
like you came back to me somewhere else. Yeah. It might not like me then, and there were people that I felt like I always helped and nothing came back, for yeah. sure. But wh- how much I gave, I got way more back. So yeah. I always took it as like, I'm here to teach you to be able to beat me one day. Sure. And in doing so, like if I would teach people all my moves, it would force me to almost make new stuff up. Like, hey, they all know all my stuff. I got to find new stuff yeah. to like keep progressing. Yeah, that's like an example, I think, of, you know, kind of the positive, positive, you know, competition in a class environment. But mm-hmm. there's also the negative side of it, too, where you're viewing your training partners primarily as your competitors that, you know, you guys are going to compete in the same tournament or something like that. And you don't want them to have an edge on you. And the best way to handle it is that you guys are just, you're always pushing each other. You're always forcing. So, you know, from striking background, for instance, you know, like any time, and there's, there's some negative aspects of it too, because, you know, you actually end up fighting with your training partners in a very specific way because you know each other so well. Mm. You know exactly what each other are good at. You know what, you know, the techniques that you really rely on are so that you're able to, you know, come up with, the best approach to you know to to to, to fighting them so i would say that you know a lot of the years that i spent with my instructor you know we'd be in a class of you know 20 students Mm -hmm. you know of those 20 students there were maybe four or five that were like you know close enough to my level that when we would spar it was you know they, they would they could push me and so I push you for more of a growth. That was like you said, like, absolutely. Hey, like, yeah. hey, they knew this move is like you got to work on a different angle, different way. To kind sure. Of get yeah. To the edge. But um, I also found that you know when you go to the tournament, that's just a totally different ball game out there. Like sometimes you know training partners that I had, where you know I could dominate them in the school. You know I would lose to somebody at a tournament, and then they would beat them. <laughs> you know, and stuff like that would happen. So. Well, there's the mental aspects of, of competition. So, you, and you know, there's also injuries and factors in, in, into that. I think maybe the difference again. I, I can't speak of you know karate tournaments versus jujitsu tournaments or wrestling. There's only a certain number of people that are going to compete from any school, mm-hmm. right? So then, in the environment of the school, you have almost like a competition within the school because it's like. You and I and three other guys are in this weight class. We're all the same belt. Only two of us are going to the big tournament. Sure. Only two of us is going to Worlds. Only two of us is going to Pan Americans. Mm-hmm. Only two of us are going to Brazil's. Or two of us are going to Europeans. You know, uh, and, and that's talking about IBJJF tournaments. But even, even a smaller tournament, like if, if you're going to grappling industries and there's eight guys in your weight division, you don't want four guys from your school competing because then you're going to go live against each other so then you start to be like, well, what if I go and compete with oh, these other guys? You start almost feasting upon each other in the room, right? The yeah. training room. Uh, and one of the reasons why when, when Dan and I were talking, I, I thought of Rennie is because eight years ago when I started and I sucked at jujitsu, Rennie is the guy who kind of took me under his wing right away. And, you know, I was, I was uh, you know, very, very, very enthusiastic and, and wanting to train every chance I got and he sort of saw that we were similar in size and he was kind of just there and was like hey you know if you want to come 10 minutes early before class we'll work on something if you want to stay 15 minutes after class we'll work on something and then this is obviously before I started teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the level that I do right now which is you know just 
uh, white belt beginner classes and kids classes, but uh, it had a trickle down effect on me of like, oh, so once I get to a certain point, I should be sharing this knowledge. And then it also created an environment when Rennie and I were trained together we had a, have a, th- a third amigo in the group, Don. Uh, we would yeah. get together almost every day before class. And we would, so at the time we were at school, we had to roll down the mats and roll them back up every class, sometimes multiple times a day. We would like take these mats, throw them down in the corner. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, and just yeah. show me train for an hour. Yeah. We, were, we were starting before your class yeah, yeah. started. Or after And we kind of get in yeah. there and we sneak in and we kind of yeah. train for Yeah, them. you know, and, it, and it, that, that approach has helped me big time. And, and you know, those training sessions. And then, it, it, again, it, it was so some people would, would not, can't, they don't have it within them to do that sort of stuff. That I don't you know do. if it's like a... I mean, like we talked about, like, I don't know if it's the mindset that they're afraid that somebody's going to be better than them or somebody's going to best them. It was just like, I feel like for me, it's like a growth together. Like some people, I guess maybe they're just so individual that they can't see that. I can, I I don't get it myself. I don't know what makes people want to help people sometimes and not people not help. Well, it takes a certain amount of humility for sure. You know, I can think of, you know, times where essentially... You know, when I would be teaching classes or working with some of my training partners or maybe a little bit younger, less experienced than me, you know, you show them like, hey, here's something I do well and here's how you can beat it. Mm. You know, why, why would I tell them that? You know, why would I give that to them? Well, because it'd make them better partner for me, somebody who can push me a little bit more. That we, you know, we together kind of try to raise everything to a higher level. I think that and my instructor was always really good about fostering that kind of healthy competition. Mm. That, and that's the key word is that, you know, the healthy competition is that you guys are always trying to outdo each other, but there's no ill will mm. behind it. Like ultimately you're all, you know, students in the same class and you, and the purpose of the competition is just to raise the level for everyone. But, you know, I can certainly see how I never really had a situation where, um, you know, people I was training with were like the ones that were gunning for me when I went to the tournament. It was always, I was always older than some of my training partners. So it was often, you know, other okay. people that I was fighting in the tournaments that I really had to beat. Um, but I can see how that's a complication. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. It's like this weekend, you know, we're going to the same event and we're both trying to win, you know. So oh, wow. We, yeah, what do we do? Like, you wow, know, how do wow, we, how wow. do we approach, approach training now yeah. <laughs> for that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, so again, it's just, you know, you look at a, a major college wrestling program, they might have four guys in the weight class. It happens in football a lot too, right? Like, what's the guy who just got drafted by the Redskins quarterback, Hoskins or whatever, mm. who just got drafted from Ohio State? He sat for two years between behind like JT Barrett, and then before JT Barrett, there was another quarterback. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Jones or Cardell Jones. Yeah. Before Cardell Jones, there was another guy, and uh, the guy who just got drafted by the Redskins. He only played one year, and he's the guy who got drafted the highest. Hmm. Now imagine if the situation changes, he never gets a shot. So. Oh. You know, there's these competitive environments. That's, so it can backfire. It almost feels like, hey, if you look at it, it's like, hey, if I do help, I could backfire on it. Exactly. So you, you, it, it's the same. And I feel like in jujitsu, again, there's, it's like, if if you're coming from a school where competition is it's, something that's valued, which is most jujitsu schools, then it's like, man, if I give to this guy and we're the same, around the same size, we're the same weight class, when we get to the same rank, is he going to take my spot and I'm not going to be allowed to be on the competition right. team? You know, 
that stuff matters. And I feel like that creates a, an environment where people are like, man, I don't, I don't want to mentor the new guys. Sure. That's you a know? real strong. And then you also know this, Rennie, in jiu-jitsu, so much of being promoted is who's beating up who. At yeah, most schools, that's, right? That's definitely So do you want to be the guy, do you want to be the purple belt or the brown belt who is the, the lower belt's beating up and he's getting promoted because he beat you up? So then it leads to the environment again of, of man, I don't want to be the guy, the, the guy who's getting caught by the lower belt because then it's either you don't deserve the belt you're at or this guy's ready to get promoted. <laughs> yeah, an ego can kick into that. And, you know, the, the topic is the mentorship thing. But the ego can kick in where you're like, hey, you're a higher belt. You're teaching people just moves. Next thing you know that they're tapping you out. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> you know, um, I, you got to... You know, you got to keep that ego in check. Sure. Uh, but it was definitely something when I was a little bit younger that I remember it bothered me more. <laughs> that I never wanted, you know, somebody to catch me. I never wanted to, you know, take a hit. You know, it was a little bit, there was more ego there. Where I felt like as I got a little bit older, it kind of turned into a little bit more that, you know, just not, you kind of, you, you compete with each other. For the purpose of raising the level for everybody. Yeah, and that's what it always should be, but... Sure, but in an individual, you know, like, altercation, you know, maybe I'm trying something new, mm -hmm. and I take a risk, and it doesn't work out for me. So I get caught, doesn't work for me in sparring or something like that. That used to bother me more when I was younger, that I just never wanted to give anything. I never wanted to take... I, what, I was more risk-averse, where okay. I stay with what I'm good at, and... Just try to always push it there. So I think that the ego part of it is definitely key. That the best way that you can train is just you're always trying to get better. And you're taking red. And in order to get better, you know, you have to push past the point where you're comfortable. You have to do things that make you a little bit uncomfortable that you're not particularly confident with so that you can develop a new skill. And that's something that good training partners, I mean, they're really a, you know, they're invaluable kind of part of your training for talking that. on that let me ask you um how have you had that experience with like you see a younger person that you're trying to help and the topic is mentorship that you, sure. you're seeing them hey they're getting mad because this person's beating them have you kind of talked to them or, oh, is, yeah. it, or is it or have you done it to the point where there's sometimes where there's a mentorship point where you have to almost put it on somebody not where you're trying to hurt them like, I had to do it once or yeah. twice. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it, but there was just no way this person was calming down. And I was just like, I'm rare to do something like that. So you got, but to back to what you're saying, have you had that instance where you had to talk to them or you had sure. to just spar with them hard and say, hey, look, and then you just yeah. talk to them afterwards and how did you handle it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are times that my instructor told me to do that too. If he had a student that was in class that kind of was a little bit cocky, felt like, you know, was not taking directions well, it's just kind of blowing off. And usually they were talented students too. He would often tell me to get in there and, you know, <laughs> beat him up a bit to try to humble him. And with my students though, I always try to encourage them to, you know, take like, I tell them that by being a more advanced member of our school, it's been around here for longer, that mm -hmm. it's their responsibility to take that, me that mentorship role. You know, when I have them spar with a younger or a less experienced student, you know, I tell them that, you know, this, sh this should be a productive experience for them. It's like, I want you to fight in a way that it challenges them. It's not easy for them to hit you. It's not, you know, 
it's not easy for them to avoid being hit by you, but it's also not impossible. You're not just, you know, kind of running through them. And, you know, I found it just depends on, on, on the individual person. You know, some people take to that really well. Some people really struggle with it. They just, you know, they just don't want to lose. They don't want to give anything up. Yeah, I, I've seen that, like, not want to lose. Like, I've seen sure. that mentality before. And sometimes I think it hurts themselves, and I've talked to people about oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, dude, but like you had mentioned, by not sure. taking a risk... Yeah. Like you think you don't want to lose this by you not taking certain risks or saying, "Hey, let them in jujitsu." It was you know pass my guard, sure. get to side control, let them get them out, and say, "Hey, I'm going to yeah. work on getting out of now." I got tapped, and then the ego thing kicks back in. Yeah. Um, but but back to the point. So so you physically like hey gotten like a sparring mass, and and then and did you talk to them afterwards? And then what sure. they, were, like what was it? What what a mostly receptive was, or some people just not receptive. You know, anything. Sometimes you get the not receptive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's something about martial arts that's just it kind of um, it can bring out a lot of emotion in people because yeah. it's fighting. And even though you know, it's something I'm always very honest with my students about is that you know anything you're doing, like anytime you're doing any kind of sparring, is like it's like fighting, but it's not real fighting. You know, there are rules involved. You guys ultimately aren't trying to hurt each other. You know, so you're just you're trying to apply your techniques under some resistance, under some pressure. And, um, you know, I found that for the most part, you know, the students will be pretty receptive to it that, you know, they, they understand, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing you, you hear a lot and that I think is really, you know, self-evidently true is that you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Yeah, winning is important, you know, it can build your confidence. It gives you, you know, a sense that what you're doing is working, that your heart, that your hard work is paying off for something. But ultimately, you know, if you want to figure out how you can be better, you have to lose. And, you know, sometimes you put, you know, you put yourself in a position where, you know, you're fighting people you can't beat. Sometimes you put yourself in a position, you do it a different way, which is you decide to take risks. You decide to use techniques that aren't your best, mm. that are going to lead, that might make you a little bit vulnerable. And you take that loss anyway, just because you're trying to grow as a person. And, um, yeah, I'd say most people, you know, especially as they become more advanced in their training, it's something you kind of have to have an intuitive understanding of in order to progress very far. I've heard yeah. that. I've heard that saying. Like you know, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you win. And this guy told me sometimes I, I win, sometimes not lose. You'd say sometimes I learn. Sure. So yeah. and the learning is the the key to like the growth thing. And like you said, you. you if you're winning all the time, it's just going to make it too easy. Yeah, you're not being challenged enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, well, I think that one of the problems, though, and this is my personal opinion, training is training. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't be viewing it as wins or losses. And that's a problem that lots of people have. Yeah, Because sure. they don't understand. And the thing is, is that lots of the people that are viewing the training room as being a win or loss environment are the guys that don't want to compete. And they have no drive or desire to compete. Or maybe they can't mentally mm -hmm. handle the pressure of competing. Because... If you look at some of the guys that are the real high-level guys, I'm going to use the, the Donahue pair. So there's a, a famous jiu-jitsu coach named John Donahue, for those of you that don't train jiu-jitsu. Uh, he has a couple students, Gary Tonin, who fights up MMA right now, and uh, Gordon Ryan and mm -hmm. Nicky Ryan. Those are probably his three best-known students. They are notoriously known for training and putting themselves right? yeah, in really bad, bad spots. Mm -hmm. uh, and... It, it, they've all said it in interviews multiple times. They're like, you have to train in bad spots. So if you end up there in a competition setting, you know what to do. 
especially if you're the better guy in the room, you need to allow that to happen. There, there are stories of, of Gary Tonin being, if you go and train with him, he allows himself in bad spots all the time. Guys catch him that have no business catching him all the mm-hmm. time, but he views he's training the right way. He doesn't care. Yeah. Gordon Ryan is a guy who is so confident in his own abilities that he is completely open with sharing his knowledge with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it, it leads to something anyway. At some point, once you compete, it's out there. Sure. And then also, there's the reality of if you want to make a living off martial arts, how do you make your living? By teaching your stuff, mm-hmm. whether that's through DVDs or posting it now, you know, in the social media world, or just teaching it at your school. If you're keeping secrets, <laughs> you know, people are going to go to somewhere else. They're going to go to find, they're, they're like, okay, so I want to learn these techniques, and you're telling me that I can't handle it? And, and I mean, this stuff happens in jujitsu. it happens in everything. No, I can't show you this stuff, you're not ready for it. Why am I not ready for it? And sometimes there's truth to that. Sure. But sometimes just, you know, somebody doesn't want to pass that stuff down. Oh, here's our champ. <laughs> so how have you, um, so back to the mentorship thing, like in that instance that you talked about, like about a person not willing to, you know, again, back to what Dan said about not taking risks or getting in bad positions. Have you, have you talked to people about that or you just do it I by think, example? I mean, so for me, for me, the best thing is I've had conversations, but I think at the end of the day, more so than a conversation, you have to show them that you're willing to do that yourself. And do you I feel mean, they picked up on that afterwards? Yeah, or? I think they do. Because I, I think the best thing you can do is, honestly, you have to show them that there's two different levels. Or three different levels, even. You have to show them, hey, and, and, and again, there has to be lots of times a skill gap, but you're not going to be mentoring somebody who's at a lower level than you, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that maybe one time, depending on how they react to it, you got to give them... The, what I would call the A-game experience where you're like, I'm going to use my best techniques and I'm going to go as hard as I can in a controlled environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to, you know, maybe get 10 taps in, in our, our training session that day really quickly, you know, as quick as I can. And the next time you go, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to catch the taps, but I'm not going to exert a lot of energy and effort for it. And then another time you go, okay, I'm going to put myself in bad positions. I'm going to show you that I'm okay being here and I can get myself out of these spots even if you put me in really deep situations. And if you do catch me, you don't make it a big deal. So, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you tap and then you don't retaliate by going, oh, you caught me. Now I'm going to turn it on and go hard. You go, you tap me. I'm going to continue to train this day with everybody that that same way. And I've had some interesting interactions where... I, I've had somebody from another school who came to train one day, and I was taking a very playful approach in training that day. And, and again, when I say playful, it's not that I'm I'm not. I, I was more pretty much letting myself be put in bad spots, and I was letting everybody put me in bad spots, working my way out of it. And this person got frustrated that I was allowing that, but I still caught that person multiple times in submissions. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, somebody's getting tapped out right now. Victoria's <laughs> got him in the, in the chokehold. Um, so, Dan, going to you. So, you, you've been... How long have you been studying? Like, um, you've been doing practice ever is, since you This were summer will be my 19th year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. How old are you now? I'm 28. Wow, that's like yeah. your whole life. Yeah. Um, so, in your situation, what would be, uh, like... You put yourself in bad spots and then to, to help them yeah. learn saying, hey, well, I put myself in the worst spot. 
sure. about out. From okay. a striking perspective, I would say that, you know, the way that I'd say this applies to what I do yeah. is that I just don't always use my best techniques when I spar. And especially I use, an I use it as an opportunity from sparring somebody that is less experienced than I am. It's like, okay, I'm going to try to develop, you know, something that isn't my A game. You know, there's certain, like, when, and I haven't done point fighting in a while, but that was the kind of competition I grew up doing a lot of, you know, realistically, you know, my entire game was made up from three techniques that I was, that I was really consistent with. That I was, that I could really go after people with those ones. And then there was all, all other kinds of stuff I could do. And maybe I would catch somebody with it every once in a while. But for the most part, you know, it was, you know, I had, you know, that's kind of like your personal style. Like I had, you know, the techniques that were my best that, that I relied on more than anything else for what I did. And that was just the way that, and that was my instructor's advice too. They said that, you know, when you're sparring in the class and you, especially if you're with somebody that's less experienced and it's like, try something new, take that risk. This is the only way to develop it. You know, it's like you have to be developing as a fighter. And if you become too one dimensional, too predictable, you know, even to the point, you know, with like kind of the local tournament circuit I used to do around here is that, you know, you're only going to beat people that way so many times before you know they figure you out and then they're able they're able to handle you a bit better you have to have you have to be changing and adapting as you go because if you don't then you know you just get left behind so i want to hit you guys with a like anti uh mentorship per se um you know i usually i'm trying to help people some maybe sometimes it's unwanted <laughs> yeah. like not that you're not Try, but sometimes people just don't want to be helped. Sure. Well, there's like, a... I'm always curious. Like, dude, I'll take any help I can get, dude. If you're doing that, I was like, I want you to help me. And sometimes they don't want to help you. Yeah, but th th that's fine because, I mean, you have to remember at the end of the day, these people are paying customers for somebody else. Sure. So, I mean, at the end of the day, and again, Dan's situation is different because he owns his own, own school. So, yeah. you know, th those people are coming there specifically for him. They're... That's why they're there, mm -hmm. you know? I teach at a school that is somebody else's school, so there might be people that are there for me, but at the end of the day, people are coming there for the guy who owns the school who's the black belt. They're not coming there for, for me, mm. you know? So, like, if, if they want to go seek somebody else out or they don't want it, the help from me, man, it's, it's kind of like whatever. You're not an instructor, right? You're, no. just, you're just a guy who trains who's in my opinion, very, very open with helping people. So if they don't want it, it's kind of like, well, okay, who cares? Like, do you, know? you, do you guys wait for people to approach you? Do you kind of like, sometimes I try to wait for the approach. I try to give a little opening, like, hey, what do you think? Is like, everything good? Again, like, so each, every person's situation is different here. So yeah, sure. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I will, there will be moments where maybe, because I, 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 tend to, to run two open mats a week usually. For sure. Uh, it's like, I might see something somebody's doing that's a lower student, and I'll be like, hey, I'm noticing you're doing this thing, why don't you try this? Mm. And if they kind of blow me off, then I'm like, okay, this person doesn't want anything extra from me, mm. which is fine. So if yeah. in the class that I teach, the basic class that I teach, I help them in that class. Outside of that, I'm like, my, my own business, you know, sure. they, they, for whatever reason, they don't want to listen to what I'm offering. And yeah. that's fine. What about yourself? There's something inherently kind of submissive about a mentor relationship, you know? So it's kind of like, 
by entering into a men- like by me- by mentoring someone, you know, it's kind of it's implied that I'm better than you in some mm, way at what okay. we're doing. So almost always, you know, I would wait for the person to come to me, and you know, like, and these things get hammered out in training. You know, when it's clear the pecking order, one way or another, you know, gets established in in a, in a particular school, a particular class, even a particular like organization, group of schools, mm-hmm. like that. And you know, when it's kind of clearly established you know, who the people are that are our best fighters, you know, in a community or something like that. that's when you enter into those relationships. But you know, it's definitely not something that I ever would want to kind of like impose on someone yeah, like yeah. that. You know, of course, my own students, a different, yeah, different story, of course. Yeah. And for my instructor, too, I was his assistant for years. So that was also different. I was a full-time teacher at the school. But, you know, even just like, you know, guys I grew up competing with, you know, I, I, when I decided to become a teacher out of high school, I started teaching full time, you know, I, I started training, you know, six days a week too, which was far more than I got, you know, a lot better. And your guys that I, that I grew up with, I wouldn't say that there was ever any kind of like formal part of our relationship that was a mentorship like that. But, you know, it's certainly, I was often kind of a guy that, that you had to beat the people were trying to beat like that so helped them out as much as I could here's an interesting thing that I noticed that we've all come back to and I feel like this is something that gets come back this topic comes up a lot which is that we're talking about the best guys in the room most likely being the guys that are doing the best in sparring yeah or in competitions being the guys that create the pecking order but there's plenty of people that maybe for whatever maybe they've had a debilitating injury or maybe they've gotten up there in years that still have a lot to offer, but sure. maybe they don't have the physical wherewithal right now to hang in there with the young guns. And like, this is the, you know, you have to think about this if you were an instructor, you know, or like you, you over time, there's going to be a certain point where you're not the killer in the room anymore. No. Yeah. So people are coming to you for the knowledge. Right. Uh, but I, I feel like dismissing any person, you never know. Like, it could be somebody who's trained for six months and maybe they've got something weird that they're doing really well. And you're like, whoa, why, how come you're doing this thing really well? You, you know, yeah, so you it kind of have to... From, it can come from both sides. Yeah, sure. It you can know? come... Like, there's a Jeff Glover, he has a, a choke. It's called the seven-year-old choke. Some kid just jumped on him. <laughs> and he literally said, unless he could, he could lift him up and slam him, like, sure. it hurt a seven-year-old kid. But when he put him in this choke, he was just like, he couldn't literally get out. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean he could have ripped his fingers and stuff yeah, yeah. like that but he couldn't get out and he was just like yeah. ever since that day he was just like hey that's I can. interesting so you can yeah. learn from the lower you, may, you can pick oh, up little things like yeah. everywhere that's a big thing my students teach me so much yeah. it's like and just the teaching process is one that you know really forces you to refine you know your understanding of what you're doing but I think there's some there's might be some utility to kind of making a distinction between like collaboration that you should always be collaborating among your training partners and you guys are trying things and figure things out. But when I think of a mentorship, you know, I think yeah. of something that's a little bit different than that. And it's definitely, um, yeah, many different kinds of it too. I can certainly think of a lot of older guys that, you know, used to train back in the eighties that, you know, showed me the kind of stuff they used to do back then. 
and even though not people I was ever com- you know you know yeah, competing you might, with or you something might be able like to crush that. Them in a competition sense, but they're sure they, they a sports setting. To offer yeah. You. yeah, yeah, you know because they, with age comes wisdom, you know. But sometimes it, it, it's it's well, you you teach kids, so you know this as well. Lots of times with the kids, the physical ability to do high level stuff is there but the mental capacity isn't there. Oh yeah. And then absolutely. you get older and then the body starts to deteriorate and health starts to deteriorate no matter what. And then the body can't do it, but the mind's super sharp and the mind can understand it. So it's like, yeah, you know, it, it becomes this interesting sort of game. Uh, you know, the ability to hit hard is a good example of that, that, you know, I've found that with, like, with kids often they can learn the technique, but they just do not, and not, they just do not understand the concept of really like transferring their weight and hitting something hard. Like it's something that takes a lot of time for them to get a grasp on. And it's just not, it's not physical limitation. It's a mental limitation mm. for them often. Yeah. So how, how much would you say, and I want both your guys' opinions, on when you're helping somebody or mentoring somebody, um, is it, a mental side or is a physical side? Um, definitely. I mean, we we've really you know kept going back to competition here, and um, you know that's one aspect of it. But yeah, you know, I I would say it's definitely both. You know, even kind of beyond mentality. You know, like so when I think of you know you know my friend Winston. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't know if you ever met him before. No, I haven't. But he, you know, so here's a guy who we both grew up training with the same instructor, and he's like two years older than me, you know. And like back when I was 14, that was a huge difference, you know. Like a two year difference is huge. It's funny, I laugh about it sometimes because like hanging out with him now, we're just adults, you know. It's like like he's 30 and I'm 28. (laughs) It's not that big a difference. But back then, you know, he was my role model in a lot of ways because. He'd been training a lot longer than me. He also was a little bit older. And um, so in terms of both physical and mental, you know, it was both of them were there. He had a kind of maturity that I didn't have, that I was definitely going for. He had a level of technique that I didn't have, that I was going for, you know, at that time when we were younger. And um, Now, did you start asking him for help? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he used to help with the teaching a little bit too. But yeah, you know, he would he would do a lot of corrections when we were in class, stuff were you, like that. Were he you was also to it a lot, or did you kind yeah. of resist a little bit? Yeah, he was somebody. Both okay. me and a lot of the other people that we were training with at the time, we we looked up to him. And you know, it's kind of it's something that's so important to have in a school because everybody has an instructor, right? It's right there. Yeah. But there's such a big gap between you and your instructor, especially as a beginner. Right. So you need kind of like those other role models that you have that it's more directly what you're going for. It's like, you know, for, so for me and my instructor, it's like, was I trying to, you know, learn from him and be like him? Of course. But that was a little bit of like a loftier goal for my 14 year old self. <laughs> a little bit more of an immediate goal was I was right. trying to be like Winston. <laughs> I was trying to yeah. train well, the other thing is that's interesting, which, you know, we have been talking about it from a competitive setting, not other aspects. Not everybody trains to be a killer competitor. There's sure. other meta- motivations. So let's talk about the health motivation. I've been in a situation where there was a student who ha- mentioned a health situation to me, something, and was like, I'd rather not 
do the process of changing this myself. I'd rather just go get the surgery. And I was like, well, why can't you do the process of creating these changes? And they didn't give me any justifiable reason. I was like, listen, this story is, doesn't, ha doesn't have a happy ending. I'll say that at the beginning. I was like, listen, so you're telling me that the option is to have surgery or lose 30 pounds. And you're telling me very openly in this conversation that you don't eat right and you know you drink the wrong stuff. So I'm totally on board with helping you. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I will help you. We will talk. I'll check in with you every three, four days and we'll check in and see what you're eating. I was like, start small. So like, don't put cream and sugar in your coffee because you're telling me that half your coffee is like sugar and cream. We'll start with small things like that. Drink one soda a day instead of three, you know, we'll, 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 we'll and, and we'll, I'll, I'll help you through this because you know, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want you to go get this crazy surgery. Yeah. And I think you can make these changes if you want to. And then I realized very quickly. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And that everything that so I was, was saying was getting blown off. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, like you accepting know, so, the, the yeah. actual knowledge that you could pass on. And we've talked about that too. Where you, There's a point where you got to say, hey, you don't want to listen to what I'm telling you. You go your own path. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Unsolicited advice from those things. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a tough one because you're doing it from a good place. And you know it's the right thing. Sure. I'm guilty of this. Like I know oh, it's yeah. I know it's the right thing, and I'm really trying to do it from a good place. But this person cannot. They, I I would love somebody to say, hey, this is how you should do this. Like, hey, yeah. I want to be a millionaire. I love millionaires. <laughs> hey, come to me. Tell me what you want me to do. Yeah, I'll do it. Like, and this person, I'm telling them everything is like, hey, like you say, smart, small, this thing, and they just won't accept it. And we have to get over that. I don't, I don't feel it's an ego for me, but I'm, because I'm really trying to help them. I, maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but well, there's a point a where you do have to cut it and say, hey, yeah. that's up to I, them. I mean, sure. And it's all on them. Ego's a factor. The other thing is, is that I think that there's just a lot of people that are looking for excuses to not do something. Mm, sure. You know, I, 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 and I'm sure you guys by now realize that my, uh, five-year-old daughters joined us for part of the podcast because you probably heard yeah, her she's the star but uh you know uh what i've noticed in life in period and in general and i've been very lucky that i'm a person who has been able to you know pursue passions i don't like calling them dreams i call them passions because calling them dreams are things that you do when you sleep they're not things that you do in, in yeah. real life so yeah, like yeah. I, I made myself into a musician who Traveled the world playing music, and then I wanted to teach jujitsu, and I'm lucky to be able to teach jujitsu and make some money from it as a purple belt. Yeah. I don't make a living from it, but I make good money each year, relatively speaking, for a purple belt who doesn't have any high level jujitsu competitive accomplishments. Uh, but we tell kids all the time when they're young that you can be anything you want to be. Mm. Then as every year passes and they get a little bit older, we start telling them more and more that, oh, you don't want to be that thing. Oh, you, you say you want to be a fighter, firefighter. No, you don't actually want to be a firefighter. Oh, you want to be a police officer? No, you don't actually want to be a police officer. You know, it's like s silly dreams like that. Oh, you want to write comic books for a living? No, you, you don't. Those comic book artists, only a couple of them make it. You got to get well, a real job. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, like, the thing is, it's like, it's, like, it's like, no, no. What you need to do is you need to go to college and you need to go to school for business. Or you need to set yourself up for pre-med or pre-law. That's what you need to do. Those, those are the ones you want to do. Don't do anything else. Uh, you know, it, we, we 
guide everybody into the same path. And you want to try and meet a nice person and settle down in your late 20s. And you should probably have two to three kids. Uh, so would you, like, consider that, like, over, like, you're overstepping, like, how you're trying to guide this person at some point? Well, like, so that's the thing is that for so many people, they've been told for so long what they can't do and what they can't be. Mm-hmm. And then lots of people just quit. Yeah. You know, and then there's also resentment that happens for people that do kind of live out, out, you know, outside what's considered normal. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's like, oh man, you're so lucky. That's, that's the thing that people say like all the time. Gordon Ryan is so lucky, but it's like, man, Gordon Ryan's the one who chose to go train that way three times a day. And even still, if you look at his schedule, he's teaching and training all the time. Mm. He tore his LCL completely and he's still training all the time. And he's still teaching all the time. You know, he's doing what he can. And it's, you know, people don't want to talk about the hard work that goes behind it. They don't want to see that so stuff. So I want to redirect you a little bit. Because um, this is kind of relevant. So you're at a school right now. You're teaching for... Uh, um, there's a certain income with that. So does that... Like, I don't think I've ever seen you do it. But I've seen other people do it where they're trying to guide them into, oh, I think you need a private, you know what I mean? When does it step over the thing where, like, you're helping a person where this other place is making an income off of it and they could be getting that from their own teaching? Uh, I mean, I've never seen I don't, it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I personally don't feel the need to push myself in, like, the hey, to come do private yeah. with me. I, I mean, there's other people that do. That's that's up to them. You know, I don't. I'm not gonna fault anybody for doing anything. At the end of the day, like, too many people are focused on the fact that like because it's their hobby, that the school owners and the instructors should also be like, oh, this is just a hobby for me. You should be cool. And it's like, no, it's their business. It's yeah, their income. Sure. So it like at the end of the day. You should not be insulted if an instructor is trying to be like, hey, come do a private with me. Yeah. Hey, pay for this thing because they're making their living off yeah. of it. Yeah. So, oh, no. I, I, any comment so I don't fault, I I fault anybody for doing that. For me, I, I mean, I've, I've always had another source of income yeah. being my primary source of income. Uh, I would love to make jujitsu my main source of income, but that's not, now's not the time. I'm eight years into this and I'm only a purple belt. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, 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 a Packing order and people that have put in much more work than me, and they deserve to be making. So I, I wanted to ask you, Dan, real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, when you're at school, do you have people that you think they would be good, like helpers, and they just don't want to help, or that kind of thing? Like, hey, you should be taking. You're one of the better students. Sure. I think you'd be good at this. Maybe they're just maybe they're just not into it. Like, hell, yeah. because I've had people who are like, hey, they're there for themselves. Period. Yeah. Like, they're just like, hey, I don't care about, like, hey, I'm here to improve myself. I kind of had sure. a little experience like that where I was helping somebody. Yeah. Like, they, were, they weren't they were new-new, but I was showing them stuff, and as soon as they were done with what I showed them, I didn't hear from them anymore. wasn't like, yeah. it was It was kind of a weird, one of the worst ones I've sure. had, believe well, it or not. Everybody has different motivations with the way that they train. You know, yeah. I would say that, like, the school owner and the instructor really needs to decide what tone they want to set in the community. You know, and I would, like, what I certainly try to do in my own school is I tell everybody that, you know, the rank comes with responsibility. That I expect as a teacher that if you are a higher ranked student, that you are able to 
teach that you're able to mentor you're able to help the you lower students you, yeah i tell them that that's a, that's what my instructor did for me too is that it's a requirement it's not, listen it's something that not everybody maybe has an aptitude for maybe it's not something they right. really like do like right. doing or they're really going to pursue very strongly but it's something i want them all to be capable of because it's an important part of your own training mm-hmm. you know if you can and we talked about this I think in the episode tony uh, you know if you can't being able to perform something, to do something yourself requires one level of understanding. Mm-hmm. Being able to teach someone else to do it, being able to help somebody else that's struggling to do it is a deeper level of understanding. So I, I found that whenever I have students that, you know, have them start helping with the teaching even a little bit, it helps them in their own training. Hmm. So it's, like, it's definitely a part of the way that I teach that, you know, you're expected to to be a mentor to the to the lower ranked students absolutely so you do that's an, that's that's the best that's how every school should be run so sure you know kudos to you kind of thing congrats yeah. whatever you want to call it but that's Thank awesome you. you're actually taking that like you know proactive approach yeah. to do that i mean some schools dude i've seen some hard cool man where it's just like doggy dog and you're like dude where am i <laughs> sure. well, yeah, like, that's the context of it that you know it's always about what you're what you're trying to do with my, I try, I, I try to take a very holistic approach to martial arts instruction that, you know, there are three kind of main categories that I think that different training methods focus on, which is, you know, your health and wellness, both mental and physical, your ability to defend yourself, mm-hmm. right, that, and then just the kind of the sport aspect of it, you know, personal achievement, you know, challenging yourself, stuff like that, like those three things are what everything is based on yeah i don't go to your school but those are my three values lined yeah, right up absolutely. my health is like the number one thing is like fitness and kind of health for me it's a workout for me sure. it's like i like it mentally kind of thing the self-defense piece was a was a big part yeah and that's... then the sport and the fun just came along because of all that yeah i think that's the order that you mentioned too that's kind of like my order sort of thing yeah but if you're in a school and you're like and you know it's just pure sport dog eat dog you know it's a you're in a place where you know they're just Hard, a hardcore competition kind of environment where everybody's going there. It's like, I'm sure there's advantages to that, but for your average practitioner, I'd, I would suspect often not the best place for them to be. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that's yeah. why there's multiple schools, not each yep. school's a fit for everyone. There's guys that love that. Sure. Oh, yeah. want to train any other way, and that's right. fine. And that's cool. That's, that's yeah, what you know, uh, they like. I, I think we're going to probably wrap it up in, in a second, but I, I think one of the things that I think is important is that you know, and it always, again, starts from the top and works its way down. So the instructor, the school owner, the instructors, the highest ranked students is you're going to create the environment you want, right? So if you want an environment where everybody is giving back to each other and you have to give first, right? right? Yeah. So if you're like, man, I want these other people to give back to me. Then and it might not even sometimes it might not even be somebody like Dan was talking about that is from your school, yeah. but you're only going to be able to create that if you're doing that yourself. You know, you kind of create your own energy, you create your own luck, you create your own positivity, your negativity. You know, so you are creating an environment where you're like, hey, somebody walks in, I'm going to be the guy that takes the five extra minutes to help this person because they can't do this basic thing while everybody else is like, I don't got time for it. I got to worry about myself. Right. At some point, probably you're going to be getting it paid back in some way or another because you're creating a positive environment. And then people want to be around you. Mm-hmm. People want to train with you. If you're the guy who's like, I'm out for myself, I'm going to train as hard as I can, I don't care. 
All I care about is how many taps I get. I'm going to rip the arm bar. I'm going to punch somebody as hard as I can. I don't care about those things. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're creating a negative environment. Over time, people don't want to be around you. People don't want to train with you. Yeah. That's so yeah. matters. And they're also not as good of training partners as they could have been. <laughs> I, you know, because you, you didn't help them be better. Because maybe deep down, you don't want to be challenged yeah. by them. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> so, and for my kind of wrap-up, I would think one thing that people would take away is like, when I try to help somebody, I just gotta gotta accept that, you know, number one, like this move might not be for them. Like, hey, I'm gonna teach it, and they might just not adopt it, so I can't really ever be offended. You know, some people I see it and they thrive with it, but other people they just for whatever reason I never take it on them. It's just maybe it just didn't work for them. So that was kind of one of my things. Um, um, when I tell people what I'm teaching them a move is like it's I always say, look. I have a specific way. doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Don't go to the next class and go, well, this guy taught it this way. I'm going to do this. Like, no, you got to accept what the person's teaching at that thing and try it. And then if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then just kind of move on. Like, you can't be offended on either side. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I'm wrapped up with that. And it's just been great talking with you guys about this. And sure, yeah. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, anything closing on your end? Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's a really I feel like we really only scratched the surface with it. Like it's a it's a subject that you know is a huge part of any martial arts school. The whole mentorship relationship and fostering a good relationship with your training partners, you know, and how and being able to accept somebody as a mentor and being you know gracious enough to mentor people that 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 need it or that you see potential in you know it's it's key it's a really big part of uh, i would say what allowed me to thrive in my instructor's school so definitely a good one cool man yeah i think uh well like i said you you did a huge part of mentoring me and i, I felt like one of the things that you did that was always cool with where where Rennie and I trained, I had a really set curriculum for the beginner students, so it was easy for that system to be in place to begin with, and it's still kind of there in place. But for the advanced stuff, it didn't really exist. So you kind of gave me a pathway to learn the more advanced stuff and stick with it and figure it out, you know. And I think the large part of the problem, right, in general, is that it's a right now society happen right now so people aren't willing to sometimes go through the, the the rough stuff of being like hey this this move is going to maybe take me a year to sit down and drill an hour a day before i get it down people don't want to do that so all right well cool man let's wrap it how up how we sign this one off till next time <laughs> right. cheers you gotta have a good 